Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kurt Damon. And welcome back to Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, the podcast that asks interesting questions that don't have any answers with your host, Ben Siders. That's me. And the other guy is, as always, Kirk Damon. That's Kirk, as in the captain of the Enterprise. So we are recording a special episode uh, today to talk about some uh, interesting developments. This is not our normal release. We're releasing off day. Our last episode was sort of very, you know, sort of fun and sort of talking about geeky stuff. But there are people that are looking for illegal information. Just- yeah, we, we think there's some... Uh, interest and need out there to kind of distill some of what's been going on with regard to how the nation is responding to the virus from a legal perspective. One of the areas that we're seeing this is actually very interesting in this is the intellectual property area and particularly the United States Patent and Trademark Office and some foreign trademark patent and trademark offices. Yeah, the, the stuff with the USPTO, I think, is, is particularly noteworthy because for patent office actions and really the response to most things the patent office does, you have a statutory deadline of six months to respond. And, and as every patent practitioner knows, that is a hard deadline. And the patent office until recently had no authority yep. to move it, no matter what the circumstance. So in the United States Patent Trademark Office, it's, it's statutorily defined that certain deadlines, like when you respond to an office action, which is a rejection of a patent application, and that window is six months. The patent office can't not give you the six months. Yes, yeah, they have to they can, allow you six months. Put- yeah, they can put conditions on it, but you get the six months no matter Yeah, what. and so that's an important thing. It's unalterable by the Patent Office. It's sort of unalterable by anything other than an act of Congress because it's a law written by Congress. And Well, because the Patent Office exists by virtue of, of a legislative act. Yeah. yeah, you know, this is one of those very subtle areas of patent law. It's something you're only going to really and know about if you've studied patent law, taken the patent bar, because it's kind of, it, it's administrative law from the, the law school point of view. So it's how is an administrative agency run? In most cases, administrative agencies like the United States Patent and Trademark Office are given powers by Congress. Congress has the right to grant patents. They have then granted that power to the United States Patent and Trademark Office. And as part of it, they write the rule that says this is the, the way the organization is set up and what they have to do. And many of those rules are up to the discretion of the patent office. So for example, what size paper the United States Patent and Trademark Office requires patents to be submitted on is up to the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Certain of those rules are set by Congress. Yeah, the, the big rules are usually defined by the statute. And then the nitty gritty details, they kind of leave up to the agencies to decide how they want to operate. And there's been a lot of administrative law of the Patent and Trademark Office at the Supreme Court and in the news recently. And the important thing sort of going forward and looking at this and what we really have to keep in mind is when the, the sort of whole crisis started, when the whole state of emergency was declared, um, the heads of the United States Patent and Trademark Office looked at it and said, what if somebody can't make those deadlines? What if we have a problem that says, hey, somebody needs to file something and they don't, what can we do? And the patent office responded back and said, you know, we can't alter the deadlines. It's not inside our power because those deadlines are set by Congress. Yeah, to a, to a large extent, their hands their hands have been tied yep. and they've, they've, they've tried to do a couple things. They've said, well, we can waive, you know, fees and petition fees if you have to revive a case that was abandoned because you couldn't make the deadlines. Yep. But the one thing they could not do that we saw of other patent offices do, they're going to suspend everything for a month or two yep. and see what happens. And that's where I sort of say the United States Patent and Trademark Office is unique because they've looked at it and said they are powerless to change those deadlines, again, because they're defined by statute. And so that's what you had the United States Patent Trademark Office looking at. And they did. They implemented a procedure to basically say, if you miss a deadline, one of the things we have control over is the fee and the process for saying, oops, I missed a deadline. Can I revive a case? 
and they've imposed special procedures already that says, yes, you can do that. You can revive cases, which are called what they call unintentionally abandoned. Um, um, and specific procedures associated with that that are you know valuable and important, but they couldn't actually say you didn't miss the deadline. They still had to say you missed the deadline, but there's a procedure to revive because they couldn't alter the deadline. And that's all changed now with with the recent yep. stimulus package has included a bunch of not just for the patent office, but that's the one we're going to talk about. Yep. But a bunch of um, emergency provisions, basically granting the heads of, of certain offices the the authority to, in emergency circumstances, actually extend those deadlines. And this is an unprecedented power, I think, for the patent. Yeah, office. I'm not sure the patent office has ever had this power. But one of the things that's in the CARES Act, if you guys have encountered the CARES Act, is the sort of stimulus package that everybody's talking about. It's a very long um, act. But there is a section in it which specifically grants the power to the United States, the head of the United States Patent and Trademark Office, under certain conditions. And those conditions tend to relate to state of emergencies, tend to relate to emergency circumstances. They effectively say under the current circumstances, but they also leave it a little more open. Um, the United States Patent and Trademark Office has the power to alter statutory deadlines. I'm not sure this has ever happened in the United States. In the, in the history of the United States, I'm not sure the United States Patent and Trademark Office has ever been given this power. Most people know why it is. Most people think it's important. Now, the one thing to keep in mind, the United States Patent and Trademark Office, as of the time we're recording this, which is on Saturday, because I don't know exactly when this is going to get released, has not exercised this power. But they now have the authority to exercise this power. I mean, merely having it is remarkable. That's something, yep. I, mean, nine, I mean, Kirk, you practiced when 9-11 happened. Did anything like this happen then? No, it didn't happen then. But I believe the because of the attacks in D.C., the patent office was forced to close, and essentially a national holiday was declared. So one of the things that can toll a deadline is the declaration of a national holiday. And I believe there was something around the 9-11 having to do with the national holidays. Because of the attack in D.C., the patent office was closed. So there was a one- or two-day window in there, I believe, that that happened. But this is not declaring a national holiday or a requirement that the patent and trademark office be closed. This is the ability for them to stay open and alter statutory deadlines set by Congress. One thing to point out, and I think it, it's important, is the the law is not absolute. It doesn't grant the, the patent and trademark office the ability to do this. Just overall, it's to be done within 60 days of the end of the declaration of a national emergency. So again, we are currently, I believe, in a state of national emergency. So they currently have the power and they have 60 days from the end of that declaration to utilize this power. In addition, it has a sunset provision in it so that I believe it's two years after it's passed they can no longer use this ability, even in a later declaration of national emergency. So Congress has, has clearly put limitations on the amount of time that the, that the patent and trademark office can do this. They, it's really intended to give them the power during the current crisis. But the fact that they granted it to them at all is really kind of fascinating. It, it really is. And I think, though, you know, you and I have talked quite a bit about you know, over the last few weeks about how this is going to affect, you know, our, our jobs, our practices and, and our clients. And I, you know, right before we started recording, you and I were talking about how we I mean, we've both been as busy as ever, partially because the patent practice is largely paperless anyway. So our work kind of is, is continued as per normal. But uh, it, it is nice to know we've got this tool in our back pocket, because although you and I have not been really uh, affected that much from a from a day to day operational standpoint, a lot of our clients have a lot of our friends have 
um, so a lot of people we know in the community have. So it's, it's nice to know that this is a possibility should things get to the point where people are going to start missing deadlines, there's additional relief available. Yep. Well, and I think one of the big concerns, quite frankly, there have been times when the United States Patent and Trademark Office's electronic system has gone down and we've had to revert to old mail procedures, procedures that were used. Like when I started practice 20 years ago, that was what you used. Um, electronic filing was still relatively new. But it's one of those things where if that goes down now, the idea of using U.S. mail practice it becomes potentially concerning. Can you actually get to a post office? Post offices from those part are public gathering places enclosed. So how do you get this kind of stuff mailed? From my point of view, looking at it, I think the most important value of this thing is should the electronic filing systems go down? I have the feeling that that is when the director would exercise this power and say, hey, we're tolling deadlines because you can't effectively file. And we just don't know what's going to happen in conjunction with mails or getting things in in time. And we don't want to rely upon people having to revive things. We're going to toll those deadlines. At this stage, it is purely a power they've been granted. They have not implemented it. What that means is that deadlines are still active for your patents. We should mention too, it's it's not unusual during times of national emergency for this for the the breadth and scope of powers that the agencies have. They typically expand. The other thing with it is, is this is not just the United States. Um, one of the ones I happen to have gotten notice of is the Canadian uh, Patent Office today actually has, uh, I don't know exactly when it passed, but the, they have actually passed some additional powers um, which grant the government certain rights to patented inventions. Um, so that they can use patented inventions. The, the, the basic sort of, you know, reading between the lines is so the government can have private contractors build patented ventilators. So just to tie back into our usual science fiction, the movie Armageddon, this is where they're seeing the space shuttle, Bruce Willis's character comments of the, what did the pat- government do? You know, or, you know, raid the patent office. And it's, you know, the whole thing that they are the patent office so they can, um, you know, the government can use patent inventions, but the, the rights to them are limited. The same is true of the Canadian government. They had limited rights. They could build something. They could do certain things or requirements for the Canadian government has now granted itself increased powers where it not only can now use those rights for itself, it can have a third party on its behalf use those rights. Now, I'm not an expert on Canadian law by any way. This is based upon, you know, things I've gotten from, you know, Canadian attorneys that I'm in contact with. The point of this is to say the United States is not necessarily unique at this point in time either of granting these sort of unprecedented powers related to intellectual property to other third parties. The bottom line is is for people who, who have cases pending, as you said, this hasn't actually been exercised yet. It's an option that's been made available. So all, all deadlines yep. are enforced. You know, everybody should assume that it's business as usual and to get things done on time, if at all possible. But, but yeah, we are, we are in strange and uncharted waters now. One other thing to keep in mind, I thought was interesting, and again, just sort of you know, talking about it, there has been discussion, there's been a little bit of discussion bouncing around on social media of the fact that a number of patentees right now seem to be abandoning cases. I have seen so that, there's yeah. A lot of pat- yep, there's a lot of patent applications which are potentially being abandoned. There's a lot of question as to whether or not that has something to do with the current crisis or may just be you know, a, a fluke for something else. But one of the things, and I think it's it definitely for us to just sort of say is, I'm not sure right now is a good time to be abandoning cases. I think you really want to be looking at the idea that, you know, protect the intellectual property coming out of this is a potentially a very positive thing. You do see coming out of a lot of these kind of crises is people actually filing patent applications as they invent things to deal with the crisis. Right now, there is an enormous amount of innovation going on in the United States and around the world as people are figuring out potential ways to battle this. Anybody who's on social media, anybody who's watching anything associated with commerce is seeing this right now. Intellectual property is still very much alive and well with this. And again, 
from our point of view, is sort of this being a podcast, and again, this being a very legal podcast um, compared to some of our other content, is to really sort of focus on the idea that says, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. This is a unique time, but this is also not a time to look at it and say, you know, intellectual property doesn't matter. This is a time when you really need to look at it and say intellectual property would matter more now. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap it up. We just wanted to give you guys a quick note on what's going on. Um, and uh, hopefully everybody is staying safe and staying healthy out there. And this, and we're going to uh, keep working on uh, trying to get some regular content out, probably shorter episodes. This is not the, the easiest thing to coordinate, but uh, maybe a second episode, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, uh, as, as schedules permit. So that's all for today. We'll see you next time. Lauren, play us out. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded in St. Louis, Missouri. 